If you have your Bible, I'd invite you to join me today. Uh, we're going to be looking at a couple different scriptures. Uh, you can go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes 11 if you'd like. I'm just going to quote Matthew 6.33 this morning. You see it on the screen, but let me just quote it to you. Jesus, one day in speaking with his disciples in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, uh, gave this declaration. He said, seek first, in other words, make the first priority of your life, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things that you need in life will be added to you. Now listen to that. Jesus said, seek first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now what is the kingdom of God? It is the rule and reign of God in your life. In other words, you need to come to a place where God is your God. <laughs> you need to get to a place where Jesus is Lord and no one else is, including yourself. Each and every one of us need to be in that place today. He said, but when you do that, when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, now righteousness simply means this, His way of doing things, which is the right way. Listen, when God does something, He does it right. And uh, He wants us to do things the right way, do things His way. So we need to seek His rule and His reign in our life and seek to do things the right way, His way. He says, and when you're doing that, everything else God will take care of. He'll provide for you. He'll protect you. He'll give you what you need to make it through the, the lot, your life. And as God does that, as God meets our needs and as God provides, that ought to create in us a real gratitude. You know, here we are next week or so, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving, and we're reminded of the fact that we've got a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for. We look at these boxes in front of us, and we realize there are some children. This will be what they'll get for Christmas, and it'll be a wonderful gift. But we are beyond blessed in so many ways in our world, in our country, and in where we live. And we need to remember that all we have and all we are is because God has been good to us. And so that's what we need to remember today, to focus on. So I hope you're there in Ecclesiastes with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, because in a few moments, I want to walk us through an interesting passage that teaches us some marvelous principles about how we can invest in God's kingdom. That's what he really wants us to do today, to learn how to invest our lives in his work, in his kingdom, in his will. One of the great marks of having a grateful life is having a giving heart. Listen to that. One of the great marks of having a grateful life is now having a giving heart. When a person is thankful for what God has given to them, he or she will be generous with those who have great need. And whether it's in material things like we're looking at before us with these boxes or whether it's in spiritual truths that people need to know, we need to be generous with people who don't know the Lord. We need to have grateful hearts and a, and, and a giving hand. Those two things, gratefulness, gratitude, and generosity, they go together. They go together. And so we need to remember that. The Apostle Paul understood that. And so in Philippians chapter 4, when he was writing to the church at Philippi, he, he made this important statement. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. He said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says this, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what was he talking about? Paul was saying, I know what it's like to not have stuff, to not have food to eat. Paul said, I've been there. I've been hungry. He says, I know what it's like to be dirt poor. And that's what that word abased means that he mentioned a second ago. He says, I've been there. He says, but here's what I'm learning. Whether I got a lot or I got a little, I'm content with what God gives. I'm happy with what God's done in my life. I'm grateful. That's what he's saying. And he says, because of that, then I can do anything through Christ. He helps me to get through every situation of life as I'm trusting in Him. That's what Paul's saying. He learned that God's grace had placed him in a position then to be generous to other people. He knew what that meant. He was able to do what he thought never would have been possible before until he came to know Christ. And he knew now as a Christian he was able to extend an opportunity for other people to have God's blessings in their life through the gospel. So in 1 Corinthians, when he wrote his letter to the Corinthians, he, he kind of took this a step further. He said this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now look at these verses. Focus on this. He says, There's two things I've learned about myself since I've come to faith in Jesus. Number one, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm serving Jesus. He said, I want people, when they look at my life, to go, that dude right there serves Jesus. (laughs) Paul said, that's what I want people to know. He said, secondly, I want to know myself that I am a steward of the mysteries of God. Now, what in the world does he mean when he says that? The mysteries of God are simply those things that some people find mysterious. Like, how can I be born again? How can I be saved from sin? How can I live in heaven Forever. Now, that's a mystery to some people. They don't understand. How are these things possible? Paul said, I'm the one who can tell them. A steward is somebody who's been given a stewardship. What is a stewardship? A stewardship is simply this. It is an opportunity to manage and wisely share something that belongs to someone else who's greater than you are. So if you're a steward of the things of God, the mysteries of God, you know what that means? It means, first of all, God's greater than I am. And in and, and his gospel, his word is his word. It's not mine. But secondly, it means this. I've got to be a good manager of what he's given me. I've got to be a good manager, a good steward or manager of what God has given me. So we who believe in Jesus Christ and follow him are to use everything that he's given us to share with other people the good news about who Jesus is and what he did at the cross for us, for our sin. It's the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, the good news about that so that they can be saved from sin, saved from death, and saved from eternal separation in a real place called hell. And people need to know the truth, and we must be faithful. See what he said there? A steward that must be found faithful. So if God has been good to you, guess what? You need to be good to somebody else. That's what he's saying. If God's been good to you, be good to somebody else. That's what it means to invest in God's kingdom to be a part of God's work, realizing there's a great God who's been good to me, and I need to let other people get in on this thing too. They need to be a part of it too. So in Matthew 25, Jesus told an interesting little parable. I'm going to share with you the last part of this parable. This is the conversation uh, that Jesus brings us to. But, but let me tell you how we get to these words. In Matthew 25, Jesus told a story about three, three stewards. Now listen to that. Three stewards, three servants who had become stewards. Their master left them in charge of his money. Now, wouldn't you love it if one day your boss 
said, hey, I'm going to be gone for a while for a business trip. I'm going to give you a bunch of money till I get back. Woo, all right. Yeah, he's going to hand me something. But here's the catch. If you don't use it wisely, when I get back, I'm going to check, and I'm going to call into accounts and see what you did. And if you didn't do the right thing, you're toast. Now, that, now that steps the ball game up just a little bit, right? So now the pressure's on. The boss has trusted me with some money, with some things, but I've got to be a good, wise steward or manager of it. So that's what happened in the story. Jesus said there's three of these old boys. One of them, he gave him $10. Not really, it was talents, but we're going to use dollars, okay? So he gave him $10. The other one, he gave him $5. And the last one, he gave him $1. And he said, well, that's not fair. Well, sure it is. Think about it. Not everybody has the same skill level as the next fellow. Not every person has the same ability as the next. That's okay. But as the, man, as the master knew these servants, he knew who he could trust with what. So he gave one ten, one five, and one one. Now, whether you get one or you get ten, it doesn't matter. You still got to be faithful with what you've been given, right? See, sometimes some of us say, well, I don't have a lot of talents, Brother Matt. I don't have a lot of abilities. Hey, what do you have? Because whatever you have, that's what you're responsible for, see? You've got to use what God's given you, no matter if it's great or small or whatever, okay? So that's what happens in the story. So when the master shows back up after being gone for a long time, he looks at the guy that had ten. He said, how many do you have now? He said, well, boss, I, I did what you told me. I, I invested it. I put it to work. Man, I got twenty. Woo! He said, man, you doubled your money. Man, that's awesome. Great and faithful servant. The next one who had five, he said, hey, fella, how did you do with my five that I gave you? Well, boss, you'd be pleased. He said, I invested it. I worked with it. I used it. I've doubled my money. I got ten. He said, whoo, man, y'all are on a roll. That's two of you who've doubled your money. Then he went to the old boy who gave one to him. He said, all right, now I gave you one. What did you do with the one I gave you? And he, you know, in the back of his mind, he's hoping he doubled his money and he's got two. But instead he said, well, boss, I knew you were a a shrewd and tough man. And I'm going to be honest, I was scared to death to lose the one you gave me. So I put it in a box in a can, and I sat on the can and canned it, and I wouldn't do nothing with it. And I thought, well, at least I won't lose it. And so here's the one I gave you. Now here's the response Jesus said that fellow got. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, when I heard that story the first time, I thought, wait a minute, he didn't lose the one he gave him. But that wasn't the point, was it? He didn't do anything with it. He did nothing with all that the Lord, the Master, had blessed him with. And so he said, You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at least at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. He said, At least I could have made a little interest on it if you'd have put it in the bank. Good grief, what does a savings account pay? Two percent, maybe something like that? I mean, that's better than nothing. He said, what, what in the world, you know? And so this guy lost what he'd been given. The servant's money was given then to the one who'd done the most with it. And it was entrusted then with him. Now listen to this. Don't miss this today. If you are a Christian, now I'm not going to assume everybody here is, and somebody may not be, but if you're a believer, if you're trusting Jesus, if you're following him, you need to be grateful for what the Lord's given you. One, that He's given you salvation through Jesus. Two, that He's given you some 
talent, some ability, some spiritual gift you can use for His kingdom. You need to be grateful for that, and you need to put it to work and be a witness for the Lord in your life, no matter where that is or how that is. So what I want us to do is take the rest of the time, just the next few minutes, let's look at a few verses, just six. Look at Ecclesiastes 11. If you're right there in Ecclesiastes 11, let's read verses 1 through 6. And in these six short verses, Solomon is going to give us some real wisdom, some important principles to think about how we use what God has given us, how we take the gifts that God gives us and put them to work and invest them in God's kingdom. Now, Solomon was a wise dude. Now, he wasn't always smart in everything he did, but he was a wise man. He'd been there, done that, and got the T-shirt, as they say, right? He'd, he'd, He'd been through some tough stuff. And so as an older man... In this passage, he's kind of reflecting back over his life. He's thinking back over the things he's learned, and he shares some wise sayings here that help us think hard about how we use what God gives us. So look at verse 1. Let's just read all all six verses, and then we'll talk about them. He says first, in verse 1, "...cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight." For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Now there's a lot of stuff there for us to unpack in just the next few minutes, but I'm going to boil it down to three thoughts. You ready? You say, oh, we we knew it. Baptist preachers, y'all are good at three points in a poem, right? Well, I don't have a poem, but you just have to deal with three points. So here they are. We're going to boil all six verses down to three thoughts. That's what Solomon is sharing. Number one, he wants us to know this, that a wise steward will intentionally invest in God's kingdom through their generosity. If God's been good to you, then you need to be good to somebody else. That's what he's saying. Be generous. Be generous with the people. Don't don't hold back from people who are in need and who need you to help them in life. And this seems like a strange saying in verse 1 when he says, cast your bread upon the water. When I read that, I thought some old boy standing out here at Grand By with a sack of bunny bread, you know, and he's, he's out there flinging it, you know, across the pond out there across the lake. I said, that's the weirdest sounding thing I've ever heard in my life. Cast your bread out on the water. What is he talking about? I can see, I can see them carp fish or something coming up to the surface and eating that bread, you know, and, or the brim trying to come get it, you know, in my mind. But that's really not where he's going. You know what he's thinking about? Solomon is an older man thinking about something he'd done as a young man. When he became the king of Israel, he had a couple of decisions he made that were really important. He learned to be generous early in his king, it's time as the king. As a matter of fact, when you read back in uh, 1 Kings chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, we see what he did to cast his bread upon the water. It says, Then Hiram, Hiram was a friend of his who was the king up in the northern part of a place called Tyre. All right, And Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat 
as food for his household and 20 cores of pressed oil. This Solomon gave to Hiram year by year. So Solomon began to invest in a friendship with this guy named Hiram. Hiram and him, they were bartering with each other. One of them would give him, he'd give him some wood, some lumber, and he'd turn around and give him some bread, see? He sent him some wheat. He'd put the bread onto ships and sent them up the coast to his friends. So he cast his bread upon the water. He started investing in the life of another man. He, somebody who could help him, and he could help that man. He began to be generous with, a, with another fellow, and they began to work together. And they said, why was that important? Well, look at this next passage in 1 Kings uh, chapter 10, and verse 22. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. So why is this such a big deal? He, he was getting wealthy. Well, here's the point. What did he do with all this stuff, the gold and the silver and the logs that Hiram gave him? He built a temple to the Lord. He built the most magnificent temple the world had ever seen. And he became the wealthiest king in the world. So, well, was he showing out? No, he wasn't showing out. He was showing off his God. He wanted the world to know that there was a one true God of heaven and earth who had blessed him, and he wanted to be a blessing now to those around him. And so Solomon was wise enough to know that he needed to be generous with people. It reminds me of Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, We're to take of our worldly wealth. We're to take of the material things we have. This is uh, Luke 16 and verse 9 and, and through verse 13. He says, Jesus said, Take the worldly wealth that you have and use it to gain friends. Now listen to this. So that they may enter into eternal habitations. Now listen to that. Jesus said, Take the material things that God gives you Invest them in friendships with other people. Use what you have to reach out to other people and help them. And as you do, he says, you're to be a witness to them so that they may enter into eternal life with you. When the wealth is gone, there'll be something more to live on with. And that's, that's a word, y'all. That's an important word. Jesus was pointing out that there are true riches that we need to invest in the lives of other people. It's one thing to have money in your bank account. It's another thing to store up treasures in heaven. Are you with me? You know, you and I may say, well, I've got plenty of money here, but what about there? Have you begun to lay up for yourself a home in heaven? Do you know for a fact that your life belongs to Jesus and that he is building you a place to live in eternity? And this is an important lesson that we need to learn early on, that we need to intentionally invest in God's kingdom work through our generosity. We need, we need to be involved in people's lives, and we need to help them when they're in need. If there's, if there's somebody we know that needs help, we need to help them. We need to invest in them and share the gospel with them most of all. Look again at what he said, Solomon said. Look at verses 3 through verse 5. In verses 3 through 5, he, he kind of gives us a second thing to chew on here, a point we need to really ponder in our life. And Solomon has observed a very, very powerful but very poignantly simple point. And, and I almost say it this way. A wise steward will boldly invest in God's kingdom despite uncertainty. And, and he points this out. He gives us four illustrations of how uncertain our life can be. Look at the, the verse 3. He says, If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. Now, that's a no-brainer. You and I walk out in the springtime, or sometimes even this time of year, we see big clouds gathering and forming, thunderheads coming. 
We know what's in those clouds. There's water. There's rain. And eventually we know when those clouds get heavy and full enough and saturated enough, they're going to cut loose, and we're going to have a frog strangler. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You've been in one of those kind of floods where it comes down so fast you can't get away from it if, if you wanted to. And he's talking then about how our generosity in our life should be like that. Like those clouds, generosity should simply be the overflow of a full life. If God's blessed you, be good to somebody else. That's what he's saying. If God's given you a full life, be good to somebody else. But look, notice the second thing he says. He said in verse 3, If a tree falls to the south of the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. And I notice he, he, he doesn't say if a tree is thrown, because then I'd think, well, we got a good redneck. Who knows what he's doing with a chainsaw? You know, y'all know how to throw a tree? I've seen boys that can throw trees. I mean, they put them right where they want them. It's, it's amazing. But he says here, when a tree falls in the woods, and uh, it naturally falls, he's saying wherever God chose for the tree to go, that's where it's going to go. Listen to that. He's saying this, God knows where he put you. God knows you. He knows where he's put you in life. Somebody else said it this way, bloom where you're planted. In other words, God's got a plan for your life, and God wants to grow you right where you are. So don't try to short-circuit what God's going to do. Understand, wherever the tree falls, it's going to be all right, whether it's to the north or the south. Whatever we go through in life, no matter how uncertain we are of things, God is certain of where we are and where he is and what he wants to do in us. And so that's what he's saying. God will meet you in your time of need and help you through the circumstances you're in. Uh, no, he gives us another illustration. Look at verse 4. He tells us, look at the wind. Look at the wind. He, he who observes the wind will not sow. What's he saying? Don't waste your time staring at the weather channel wondering when the weather's going to be good enough to go out there and get in it. Now, I'm putting this in today's terms. You with me? He's saying some people spend their whole life sitting back and waiting for the just the right moment. Waiting for the weather to just get just so, and then we'll do something. And he's saying, you can't do that. You can't live like that. If you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. So don't wait for perfect conditions to give and invest in God's work. That's what he's saying. Even in uncertain times and uncertain circumstances where people are struggling, or you're struggling, trust the Lord. Let the Lord do, use you where, right where you are, and you keep investing in what God gives you to do, and you let God do a great work in you. And so then the last little uh, thing he gives us to look at in verse 5, he says, not just the wind, he says, which we don't really know which way it's going. He says, but even this, a greater mystery is how a baby is formed in the womb. Isn't this interesting? He brings up how the fact that we can't see a baby developing in the womb. Now, in Solomon's day, they couldn't. They didn't have ultrasounds. All right, they didn't have MRI imaging. They knew there was a baby in that lady's belly. They knew that. And they knew God was forming the baby. They just trusted the Lord's going to knows what he's doing. And we don't really know how it's happening, but we know it's happening. Now, today, you and I can get a little glimpse into how it happens, right, through ultrasound. But even still, we really don't know everything that God is doing inside that baby. What a marvelous mystery that God is bringing a new life into being. A new life into being. What an amazing thing. And so he says there's a mystery to life, then, that only God understands. And so we have to trust the Lord in those moments when we don't understand. We have to know that God is the one who gives us life, and He gives us what we need to do His work in His kingdom. And so we need to be willing to be bold, even in times of uncertainty, to trust the Lord. We need to live 
certain of God in an uncertain world. Makes me think of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. The Lord said, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Look at that. But in the living God. In other words, your money's going to come and go. Your time's going to come and go. Your, even your talents and abilities may come and go. He says, but the Lord endures forever. Trust the Lord who will always be there with you. He says, he gives to us richly in all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. So he, he's challenging us to think about how we're investing ourselves every day. Are we intentionally and boldly serving the Lord in the way we live? There's one last point. It's in verse 6 that Solomon gives us. And he wants us to think about this. A wise steward will diversely invest in God's kingdom given the opportunity. Look, look what he says. Truly the light, uh, tr- uh, in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. Now there's something unusual to me about what Solomon is saying here. When was the sower supposed to sow? He said, now sow in the morning. And then again in the evening, he says, don't withhold your hand, but do it again. Now, I don't know if y'all do much gardening. Now, Mr. Milton's teaching me how to garden. We're learning together. But uh, we have a good time. But here's what I'm learning. Usually when I plant, I do it at a certain time. And uh, we kind of check that, that almanac, don't we, sometimes to make sure. But, there, but when I get out there gardening and I, I cut my, my furrow and I put the seed out in it, I don't say, well, I think that's good enough for now and I'll just finish the rest later. I don't normally do that. No, normally I just go ahead and lay it all out there and get her done. Cover it up, cover the seed up, prepare it, and I'm done. It's good to go. But Solomon says, in the morning do it, and then in the evening come back and do it again. So he's using something interesting. The farmer, this, this doesn't make sense really. Because he's, he's just used to planting it all and getting it done. But what he's telling him is, don't miss an opportunity. He's saying, every opportunity you get in life, don't miss that opportunity to do the work of the Lord. To sow seed, to invest in people's lives. Reminds me of the widow of Zarephath who got the opportunity to bless Elijah. It reminds me of the little boy who the disciples came to when they needed something to eat. And he had two fish and five loaves of bread. You remember that? And he gave that little bit to the Lord, and it multiplied, and God grew it. It reminds me of the widow and her two mites. And Jesus said to his disciples about this lady who gave two little mites. He said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Look at that. She gave everything. Let me ask this question today. When do you sow seed for the Lord? Just on Sunday? What about on Monday? What about Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday? Do you just give Him a little or do you give Him everything? Does God have control of all of you? Listen, the greatest lesson we'll ever learn in life is that first I need to give him me, and then after I give him me, he'll give me what I need to live so that I can continue to be a blessing to other people. So there could be someone here today who you've never given him you. You've never given him your life, and today you need to trust Jesus to save you from sin, 
to forgive your sin, to wipe it out and to give you a new start in life and to help you live the life He's called you to live, to be generous to other people. Maybe you're already a believer. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you've not really been faithful at all times to look for opportunities to help other people and to bless other people and to, and to be a blessing. And Maybe you're looking for opportunities you need to to invest in the kingdom. Well, let's, let's give our best to the Lord, starting with ourselves even right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful today for your word, and we know it's true. We pray you help us to have wisdom in the way we live our lives. Like Solomon, help us to be men and women and boys and girls who are committed to following Jesus with all of our heart. Father, today there could be someone here who's ready to give their life to you because up until this point, Lord, they've been trying to do it all on their own, all by themselves. And Lord, if there's someone today who needs to give their life to you, needs to be surrendered to you, would you help them today to have courage and boldness? Listen, even right now in this moment, if you're sitting in a pew today and you say, Brother Matt, I really need to give my life to the Lord. I've been holding back and trying to do it my way. And I'm ready to live for Him. I'm ready to give my heart to Him. Would you pray this prayer with me even right now? Would you be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I need to give my life to you. Lord, would you please forgive me for my sin? Would you come into my life? And would you help me to be completely dedicated to you? Listen, if you'd pray that prayer even right now, and you really mean that with all your heart, I pray that today you'd have the courage and the boldness to express that not only to the Lord, but to someone else. Be willing to share that with someone. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to be singing a song of invitation. I want to give an opportunity if there's someone who's not a Christian and you want to be. You're ready to follow Jesus, and you're ready to accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Be forgiven of sin. I pray you'd come to me in just a moment when we stand and sing, and you'd say, Brother Matt, I'm ready. Ready to give my life to the Lord. There could be someone else who's already a Christian, but maybe you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. Maybe you need to come and pray at the altar. Spend some time with the Lord. You're welcome to do that too. But however God's moving in your heart today, if you need to give Him your all, do that. Father, help us now to have courage and boldness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. And as we sing, if you need to come, you come.